It's episode 4-6. We finally get a start on the National League. We're looking at the NL East today, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And somebody roll the intro music. Welcome back to Benchwarming Podcast. Thanks for joining us for the fourth episode of our six-episode miniseries previewing the MLB season this year. Finally done with the AL, so let's go ahead and turn our attention to the NL. If you guys don't understand what I'm doing, go ahead and take a look back at those other three podcasts from the American League. If you guys don't care about the American League, just hop on. You'll pick up on what I'm doing pretty quickly. We're starting out east for the NL, just like we did for the AL, and I'm just going to start with the Braves. Because honestly, I think that they are one of the better teams in this division, if not the best team. They have two of the most exciting young players in the majors. And by young players, I am qualifying anything 23 and younger. Just because, to me, that's young, 23 and younger. When you hit 24, most people have been in the league for a little bit, so they're not as fresh. But Ozzy Albies at 22 and Ronald Acuna at 21 are two of the most exciting young players. Both of them are out on this team. Ozzy Albies was a all-star last year, but he faded during the second half. He dropped 55 points on his batting average over the course of the second half of the season. He also dropped 210 points on his OPS. So those aren't super exciting things when you take a step back and look at it, but he still did show promise. He still does have the ability to go out there and really play well. And then Ronald Acuna did get hurt last year. And when he came back, he got moved into the leadoff spot and ended up winning Rookie of the Year. Who really knows what's going to happen with these guys moving forward? I think that right now the promise for them is pretty high, and I love to watch them play. Obviously, that's why they're up there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they are able to continue or rebound this year. I mean, Acuna doesn't really have to rebound. He didn't play bad over the second half of the course of the season like Albies did. So Albies kind of has to rebound over this First half of the season to make up for the second half of the last season and continue to play well. Either way, I think they're both going to do well this year. I think that those are two big pieces for the Braves. And then another piece to look at is Mike Fulton-Nevich. And he's he's expected to be the top of this Atlanta rotation this year. He had career best marks last year in innings and strikeouts as well as ERA. And so it's expected that he's going to continue to be the leader of this Braves starting rotation and they're going to need some big games from him because they don't have a whole lot when it comes to a starting rotation. Just like, I mean, starting pitchers are tough to come by. And when you have multiple aces on your team, kind of like I touched on the Houston Astros, it's huge. In this case, only having one true top of the line arm on your rotation is going to be a bit of an issue and is probably going to be what prevents them from getting over the 100 win mark this year. I don't expect them to get that far unless they're able to go out and pick up a second big arm. And they, I mean, they have been thrown around in talks with bringing back Craig Kimbrell. It doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, but when the rumor mill's going, you can't just ignore it. You got to at least take a look at it. So that's really all I've got for the Braves. Watch out for their three big players this year in Albies, Acuna, and then Mike Fultonevich. And then hopefully we'll get to see someone step up for the Braves behind these guys. Because, like I said, I really do like the this team. Next up, we're going to head down south. We're going to go to Miami. Not a whole lot to say here. Fully expect to see a 100-loss season out of Miami this year. They finished dead last last year in the majors and home runs. And everyone knows that it's really tough to hit home runs in 
that ballpark that Miami Miami plays their home games in. If you don't believe me, you can look at the power numbers from Giancarlo Stanton changing from when he was there. Granted, he had to go to one of the more hitter-friendly ballparks in the MLB in Yankee Stadium. But, I mean, those are some serious, serious issues when you have poor power, especially when you go out and lose all of your top power hitters. They lost Stanton last year. This year, they've lost Real Muto, Justin Bohr is gone, and Derek uh, Dietrich. That was their top three home run hitters last year, and they're all gone now. At this point, I don't really know who's going to lead this team in home runs, and I fully expect them to be at the bottom of the league in home runs again because they just honestly don't have anyone. And personally, I think this might be the worst team in the MLB. And I know that's a lot to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is. And then, as I said, with them being one of the worst teams in the MLB, there's really not much to talk about. They don't have a whole lot of strong arms in the bullpen or the starting rotation. And, of course, closers always have value, especially if you're playing fantasy or whatever it is. Closers have value because they're going to be out there and they're going to be working the ninth when their team is in the position to win. And in this case, if you're part of Miami and you're not really in spot to win a whole lot of games, you're going to see a lot of work in games when you are leading. So you're going to have a higher chance to get a save. You're not going to be on a team that's out there winning 90 to 100 games where every other night or something like that, you're having a chance to win, or every night you're having a chance to win, so you're not able to pitch all these innings. So it's going to be interesting to see who's able to step up in this closer position, potentially for the future. They do have a couple of people. They signed Sergio Romo and... He could potentially step into that spot, but they also have a younger guy, 28, Drew uh, Steckenrider. He has the ability to do it, but again, without this really being a big situation for them, without them being in a spotlight or anything like that, and with them losing as many games as they're going to, it's going to be easy to kind of ease him into being in these high-strung situations because he's not going to have to worry about it a whole lot. That's really all I got for the Marlins. There's, I mean, 100 loss season, last place in the NL East, and personally, I think the worst record in the MLB for the Marlins coming up this year. Next up, we're going to head over to the Mets in New York. Jacob deGrom was fantastic last year, despite what his win-loss record says. He's not going to be able to duplicate his 1.7 ERA, but he should be in line to win more games. I mean, he is he is worth more wins than what he had last year. And honestly, I think that's the biggest selling point for the Mets right now. Jacob DeGrom's going to be back. He's going to be pitching well. And honestly, I think he's going to be up for another Cy Young contention season. I don't necessarily think he's going to win it again, but I do think that he will be there. Hopefully with this offense, they, they did add some offensive power. Hopefully that's going to help not only him, but the other starting pitchers there, Noah Syndergaard and so on, because they did add Jed Lowry, Robinson Cano, and Wilson Ramos. All three are upgrades from what they had last season. So hopefully that'll be huge. Of course, of these players, the youngest is Wilson Ramos. He's 31. The rest of them are all older than that. So may not be a long-term thing for the Mets, but at least this year, I think that they have some firepower behind that starting pitching that they were lacking last year that really hurt them in the long run. Michael Conforto had a good season last year. He hit 17 home runs. I mean, that's during the second half. He hit 17 home runs. I should have clarified that. He also had 52 RBIs. This was all after the All-Star game. So, Those are some big numbers from Conforto. I don't expect him to duplicate that over an entire season just because when you're looking at a smaller subset of the season, especially after that all-star break, you start to see the separation. You start to see the better teams playing and really taking over some of the worst teams. And then those middling teams really just kind of 
try to do whatever it is they can to put themselves above those lower teams. That way they have a little bit of a bargaining chip over the offseason to try and bring players in. I don't expect him to be like he was last year during the second half of the season. I don't expect to see that over the course of the entire season. However, mix him in, mix Michael Conforto, Jed Lowry, Cano, and Wilson Ramos all in together. You're going to have to pitch to one of them. While it's not the most terrifying lineup that you're ever going to see, you can't really pitch around one to get to another because they are all going to be at least on average good batters. So hopefully all of this really lines up for the Mets this year. I'm not a big Mets fan per se, but I do want to see them play well. I want to see everyone play well just because it makes the game more interesting. Hopefully the Mets are able to at least string something together and get above 500. This might be the only division we see in the MLB where four of the five teams are above 500, which would be awesome to see. But who really knows? For all we know, the Mets could be the Mets and just absolutely bomb this year and finish with a 100-loss season. Who really knows? Jacob deGrom going to be in Cy Young contention. And then these this added offensive firepower that they needed last year is finally here. So hopefully we see some good things. So that's really all I've got for the Mets. Let's head over to Philadelphia. Possibly one of the more watched teams this offseason for numerous reasons. They were talking about spending all this money and doing all this stuff. And of course, they provided, they spent the money. They got JT Romuto from the Marlins, which was a shock that that was an in-division trade. They got Gene Segura. They also added Andrew McCutcheon, and of course they got Bryce Harper. Two of those three were signings that were big. The trade for Real Moto was big. They all get outshined by the signing of Harper. And as a whole, adding all these players and Reese Hoskins, Rice Hoskins, still don't know how to pronounce his first name, is going to be big. It's going to allow Hoskins to move back to first base. He's no longer going to be playing in the outfield because they're going to have Andrew McCutcheon, they're going to have Bryce Harper and so on. So that's going to be big for them. It's going to be interesting to see kind of who is going to come out as the closer for this team, who's going to be the head of this bullpen, whether it's going to be David Robertson or uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. Both have really good strikeout rates. Both have been really well, and they're both capable of handling the role, and they have at some point in their careers, they've shouldered this load to be the closer So it's going to be interesting to see who steps up in that role because I do expect this to be a team that puts themselves in the position to win a lot of games throughout the season. And really the last thing I've got for them is that they do have some questions on that starting rotation. That might be their weakest point like it is for a lot of teams right now is just not a whole lot of strong arms. They've got Jake Arrieta who isn't bad, but we've not seen him at the level he was for the Cubs a few years ago. Nick Pavetta was one of their better players last year when it came to their starting pitching. He had a great strikeout rate, 10.3K per nine, and he had a high uh, on-base percentage. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can improve those numbers despite already having a good K per nine. It doesn't matter if you're striking people out, if you're allowing the next three people behind him to get hits. So hopefully he's can, he can improve that and get into a better spot this year. I mean, if there's anything that you're questioning right now about this Phillies team, and I'm shocked to say this, but it's that starting rotation. That's really the only question they have right now, considering this team had so many questions, even just a few years ago. That's really all I've got for the Phillies. Going to head over to the last team in this division And I think they're the second worst team in the division, despite what the projected wins are going to say in a couple minutes. Honestly, I was not impressed by them last year at all. 
I am not shocked that Harper left. I am not shocked that they lost like they did. They went out and put a whole bunch of money on Patrick Corbin. And honestly, I'm not impressed with him either. He had a good season last year. He was 11-7 and with a 3.15 ERA, but that's the first time in his career that he had an ERA below 3.5, I believe. And I mean, 3.5 is still not a bad ERA, but to put as much money on they as they did on him, I just, I'm not impressed with Patrick Corbin. I don't think he was worth the money. I don't think that he was worth all the hype that we got from him. You know, he, granted, he only has to be a third arm in this rotation behind Scherzer and a healthy Strasburg, but you can never guarantee those two guys are going to stay healthy for a full season. Scherzer's more likely to, but Strasburg, you don't really expect to see him healthy for a whole season. He's had a lot of injury issues through his career. So I, if you look at it from that aspect, I guess you're going out and getting a third arm, but you're spending so much money to to have a third arm like that on your team. Obviously, they have Juan Soto, who was really good. He was the runner-up last year for the NL Rookie of the Year. He was 19. I mean, that's insane. He played really well that year, and over a full season, he should be more productive than he was over the course of the last half of last season. But I do think that there's going to be some regression because he's really the only one that you're going to be looking at right now, and he's going to be like the main head of this team now that the main head of the offense, I should say, not the main head of the team, the main head of the offense now that they don't have Harper and people aren't trying to pitch to him and get him out and all everything. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams go about attacking uh, Juan Soto because they don't have to worry about Bryce Harper anymore. They do have Victor Robles. Robles. I don't know if you actually pronounce the lace. Don't really know. I'm really bad at names when it's things like that. He got hurt last year, so that's what opened up the door for Juan Soto. So right now, Victor is the top prospect, I guess you could say. He's 21, has a lot of speed. He could have the potential to steal 30-plus bases a season. You never really know. 25 to 30 is what I would expect him to be in a good year. He doesn't really have a whole lot of power, so that's not going to help them in that aspect. But again, if you have speed and you get on base, power doesn't really mean a whole lot if you're hitting fly balls whereas if you're getting on the base like he has the potential to do you know that speed does help in the end I don't think the Nationals really have a whole lot like I said I think they're going to finish fourth in this division but I'll get to that actually I'll get to it right now because I don't have anything else for the Nationals and that was the last team in this division that I hadn't looked at so let's go ahead and get to the win totals as of right now it stands with Washington and Atlanta tied for first at 89 and 73 Philadelphia comes in third at 88 and 74 and then the Mets Swing in at 83 and 79, leaving the Marlins at a lowly 62 and 100, finishing last in the division. As I said, I do expect the Marlins to finish last in this division. I expect them to have the worst record in baseball this year. I think that having them win 62 games is a huge, huge mistake. I don't think that they can get that far. I think that they're more likely to get somewhere between 50 to 55 wins. I don't expect Washington to finish with 89 wins. I expect them to be closer to 500. And I expect them to finish fourth in this division, as I've said multiple times. I expect Atlanta to hit the 90-win plateau. Philadelphia will be somewhere between 85 to 90. I think they're, they're just one key player away from making that extra step. And then I think the Mets are, I think that's around the right range. I think expecting somewhere between 80 to 85 wins for this Mets team is good. Washington, as I said, I don't think they're going to be that far above 500. I think they're going to be scraping by. I think that they are going to be really close to it, probably closer to like an 80-win season this year for the Nationals, just because I'm not too not too happy with them. I, I don't know how to say what I am with the Nationals. I just, I don't like them as a whole 
And I, that sounded bad, but what I meant is I just don't like what they've developed. I don't think that they have a winning culture there in the first place. And now they don't have some firepower that they need. So it's really going to hurt them in the long run. So I don't expect them to do well. I expect them to be fourth in this division. As for MVP candidate, I feel like the obvious choice is Bryce Harper because he gets, because he's going to want to go out and prove everybody wrong and prove everybody that the Phillies did smart by signing him. However, I'm going to kind of go with a, shock here and say that I think that the MVP candidate, the true MVP candidate of this NL East is going to be Ronald Acuna. I think he's going to lead this Atlanta Braves team to the division title again this year. And I think that he has a lot of potential. That's who I'm sitting with as the most likely MVP candidate coming out of this NL East. And that's all I've got for the NL East guys. So hopefully you enjoyed. Come back in a couple days to listen to the NL Central. And then I've only got one more after that. So thanks for listening. Hope you had a good night and peace.